Yeah, I still remember that verse, that line from last week, a tiny rock can make a giant fall. I, there's something about that line I just love. And you know, I'm sitting there on the front row and listening. I just love that blessing song. And I, I dread the day that it doesn't move me. When, when, you, when we sing about your blessings upon your children and your children and your children, I'm telling you, that should be our passion. Is that I know we're leaving our children a rough world to live in, but their God is great enough. And so we just need to be fired up and, and make sure that we, we get it out there for them to see and uh, being lived out in our lives. Um, the blessing, the blessing. Woo! Shoot that thing. Hey, listen. Well, anyway, this is week number two. I didn't mean to get all sappy on you. Um, but anyway, this is week number two. Now, now the series is Family Matters Do Matter. So each week, the sermon is going to have the word matter in it somewhere, okay? And um, so last week, you know, let's don't go last week because I'll forget what I was going to say. But how about this week? This week is what's the matter with you? Now, now you got to really get into this to get the, the thrust of the title, okay? It's not like... Like, what's the matter with you? Okay, it's like, what is the matter with you? Now, you, husbands, you have heard this before. Okay, what is the matter with you? Okay, and, and, and you know, perhaps, wives, you've heard also, what is the matter with you? Okay, and in fact, about last fall sometime, I came home from work, and, and I, I just need to be honest and tell you, sometimes being a pastor is really easy, and sometimes it's really not. And I came home one day, and it had been one of those not days, and uh, I was in a pretty grumpy mood. I had it up to here, and if you don't mind me saying so, and you know, it was just, it was just difficult, you know. And so finally, you know, Judy, Judy asked this question. She goes, "What are you so angry about?" And I couldn't tell her. I knew one thing; it wasn't her. Um, but but it was just the, maybe the circumstances, and probably more than anger, it was frustration. But it was all over me, and I was so surprised, you know, that that God asked that question to one of His kids. You know, He goes, "You know, why are you so angry?" Why are you so angry? So today we want to talk about relationships, and um, we're, we're going to, I'm going to have to do this on the fly, because it's a little bit later than we wanted it to be, but boy, would you trade anything? I wouldn't, okay? But, but anyway, so, so we'll kind of play this through here. We, we planned on talking about, you know, we talked about, and we were going to talk about, you know, family issues, okay? And then we're going to look at, like, you could choose, like, we've got Cain and Abel, and we've got Jacob and Esau, we got Joseph and got Mary and Martha, and then we want to end with a solution. So we're going to pick like maybe one of those um, to talk about today so, so we'll get out in a reasonable time. And also, you can go back on and open the worship event and see those slides there, and you can read them all for yourself, uh, things that we were going um, to talk about. Now, family matters, you know, what's the matter with you? That's just something. If I were to ask you to be honest and raise your hand, most of us one, a lot of us, you know, have definitely experienced the what's the matter with you syndrome in our family. Um, some of you might right now be in the middle of a what's the matter with you syndrome, okay? Um, I remember, and I didn't ask Jesus permission, but I know it's okay, you know, you know, her mom and dad were married almost 50 years, and dude, they were not happy campers. Um, they didn't believe in divorce, um, but boy, they hardly talked to one another. It's very, very difficult. And, and that question, you know, what is the matter with you? I'm sure it was just part of the regular conversation. And I remember I had a brother. Um, boy, we went, we went like maybe three years, more than once. 
multiple years of him not even speaking to us. And it wasn't us. It was, well, it wasn't him. It was his wife. You know, his wife just didn't like us. There's no other way to say it. She just did not like us. And he had to choose his family there and our family and and probably i don't know rightfully so or not but anyway they won and we would go weeks and months and some of you don't know exactly what i'm talking about some of you have siblings or moms and dads that you haven't talked to in years okay so you know exactly what i'm talking about and it didn't finally he got enough and there was a divorce and 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 good news is we gained him back but we lost lost the marriage and this is so common it's so common. So that's what we want to talk about today. How can we? Now, this is for Jesus fall. If you're not a Jesus follower, you get a free pass today on this, okay? But if you are a Jesus follower, all right, then we need, God's got some answers for us, okay? God's got some answers for us. Let's look at our first teaching point. Let's get this thing on the road, okay? Now, here's, here's a big deal. It's, it's not intuitive, you know. I don't know if you come to church every week and going, oh, I hope I learned something new today. Well, sometimes that happens, maybe, maybe, although the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun, but, but maybe we'll find something that's intuitive in another way. The first thing is this, thinking of what's the matter with you, okay? You, we got to remember that no person is perfect. Now, that's not intuitive, I know, but the bottom line is we often think we are and we often think others should be. In fact, write this down. The, the source of so much conflict, okay, the source of so much conflict is the thought and idea is that we expect people to be what we're not. See, we expect people to be perfect knowing full well we're not. We expect people to act perfectly and never make a mistake, never, never, you know, throw the bomb. And yet we do it all the time. We do it all the time. So, so no perfect is perfect. So should, should you write that down? Probably so. Or at least remember it. Okay. So if no person is perfect, then that means that no family is perfect either. Okay, there's not your, your, you know, if you're looking for the perfect family, you're not going to find it. If you're looking for Mr. Perfect to marry or Mrs. Perfect to marry, you're not going to find them. Okay, all right, don't, don't, <laughs> boy, this is free, you know, don't go into a marriage expecting your new husband or wife to fix everything about your mom and dad's bringing you up. Okay, it isn't going to happen. It isn't going to happen. You know, there's only one person who really, who can fix you. And that's God. It's not, a, it's not a husband or a wife. And here's the deal. To, to make this broader, because I always like to be very inclusive in the Word of God, you know. Uh, yeah, no person is perfect. No family is perfect. And, and just for today, and without breaking and violating anything, you know, let's go ahead and say that word family can include our, you know, physical families. Husbands. Like I said, I had a brother. That relationship was broken for so long. Jesus, mom and dad, the relationship never healed. In fact, I am certain God had to put them in different parts of heaven. I'm just sure of it. I'm sure they could not be in the same neighborhood. I'm just positive it happened that way. And, and perhaps you have going on your, you know, you've got a, a, a son or a daughter who just won't have anything to do with you. Okay, they, they've written you off, all right? So, so that's just true. Maybe, maybe you had a fight in your family last week, and you're wondering, why am I sitting in church? Because I know things aren't right there. Okay, so that's true in the physical sense. But you know what's true in the spiritual sense? This is true. And, you know, we are the family of God. And sometimes there's brokenness in the spiritual side, in the, in the, in the church, you know. It's a shame, but it does, does happen. And then the practical side, the practical side. You know, I'm so, I was still so impressed 
with our middle school baseball team last year. You know, they won the state championship, and, and they did not lose a game. And they, they won like a zillion games in a row. And they got to the championship and won it big time. It was just awesome. But I love what they taught us on the back of the church. Do you remember? what well, I, I used it in a sermon. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's we over me. In other words, the good of the team is bigger than me individually. Well, here's the deal. You know, if, if, if a team will never win a championship if it's me over we. A team will never win a championship with me over we. You won't have a successful work environment if it's me over we. Whatever it is, whatever practically speaking, whatever family you belong to, if you're putting yourself first and others second, you're going to find difficulty in that. So no person is perfect and no family is perfect. And truth be known, can we just be honest here for a moment? We, we argue. I mean, you know, Judy and I don't have knockdown drag outs, but we definitely have disagreements. We've been doing it you know, for 47 years, but we've had disagreements. You know, we argue, um, we fight, never come to blows, okay? But we fight, we all fight, okay? And we even stop talking to each other at times. There's been a few times, and not very often, but there's been a few times when I've snuck in the bed, rolled over toward my back toward Judy and went to sleep intentionally. You know, well, tried to go to sleep. Usually didn't go, didn't go very well, does it, Judy? We're both tossing and turning. We have, to, we have to make this right, you know. We have to make this right. But, but there's been times. Have you had those times? I mean, I'm bearing my soul here. Don't leave me on a limb by myself. Okay? All right? So do we argue? Yeah. Do we fight? Yeah. We start talking to one another. That, that, hello, darkness, my old friend. The sounds of silence, you know? All right? So we even stop talking to each other at times. But... Family is family. Now, I wouldn't go so far as to say this is true on the baseball team and this isn't true on, on, at the workplace, but it's certainly true in the, in the physical mom, dad, husband, wife, and it's also true in the church, okay? Family is family. And at the end of the day, and I realized I wrote this really in a different way I should have, you know, we still strive, we should strive. Let's just be honest. We don't always get it right, but we should strive to love each other. That should be our goal. So here we are. You know, we got a, we got a brokenness in our relationship. It might be in the physical, could be in the spiritual, and it might be in the practical. You've got somebody you can't stand at work, and you're a boss, you hate him. Maybe you've got that going on. As a Jesus person, what do you do with that? As a Jesus person, what do you do with that? Well, Again, speaking more of the, of the physical part of it, let's look at our second teaching point. This, this might be a backward encouragement for you, okay? So, it speaks volumes, big, lots of volumes. It speaks volumes that in the Bible, there are multiple examples of failed families and far fewer success stories. I challenge you. I mean, when I was looking for bad examples of families, I had no problem I had no problem finding Cain and Abel. I had no problem finding Jacob and Esau. I had no problem finding Joseph. And I had no problem finding Mary and Martha. And that just scratched the surface. I mean, you had Absalom trying to kill his daddy. I mean, you know, he had no weird things going on with that. All kind of strange stuff. The Bible is filled with examples of failed families and far fewer success stories. I remember Rebecca, I don't remember if she was teaching Bible school or Sunday school. She did both. But one day she came to me and she said, Dad, there are literally no examples of good families in the Bible. And you know what? Especially in the Old Testament, that is so true. 
It's just so true. So hope that's a backward encouragement. You go, oh, I'm such a big sinner. My family's messed up. Join the bunches in the Bible. You know, join them. Because families get messed up. We just get messed up. But the good news is what? God can fix it. The good news is the good news. The power of the gospel is strong not only in the um, saving of a soul, it's powerful in the saving of a family. It's, it's powerful in the saving of lives and destinies and characters and all those things. The good news is God can fix it. You know, I, I, I've not had a, I had like a crack bone one time, but I'll never forget the day that we were in a, we were in a personnel meeting, actually a search committee meeting looking for a worship leader. This is a long time ago. And uh, Judy came in, and her and Nan were down here working on some mission stuff, and the light was out in between the two buildings, and she tripped over a parking block and shattered her elbow, the bone in her elbow. And we're just talking, you know, and fortunately she was able to get up, and she came in, and I told Judy this other day, I'll never forget the look on her face. She was in crazy intense pain. It was just crazy intense pain. But guess what? Through surgery... And a lot of hard physical therapy, she got use of her arm back. Now listen, God wants to do surgery on your family. And God wants to do therapy on your family because the good news is the good news. God can fix it. Now you may not see the result you want. If, if there's a relationship that's shattered in your family, there is a, a husband, wife, there's a, a son, daughter, there's a child, parent relationship. You know, because of free will... Okay, you can do everything. Oh, this is good. You can do everything you should do biblically and still may not get the result you want. But you know you're obedient to God, and that's what matters. Okay, just remember this. As you work God on your side, God's working his part on the other side, on the other side. So the good news is about the good news is that God can actually um, fix it. All right. Now, let me let me talk about John ten ten again. This is, I guess, become one of my favorite verses. You know, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. This is the second part. Remember, first part. Remember, um, you know, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Well, just remember this: when it comes to families, he's wanting to steal, kill, and destroy. And you can call him what you want to. But can I, can I suggest a couple of names this morning? The troublemaker, the pot stirrer. Those names come to my mind as I talk about the thief. He so often, look, look, are you listening? The thing that you think is the thing that's caused the fracture in your relationships is probably not the thing at all. He's the thing. He loves to stir the pot. He loves to cause trouble. He knows he is the troublemaker. If you look at the Bible, it's very obvious. I mean, where do you think the disciples got the idea? You know, when they're, they, you know, Jesus washes their feet and they're leaving the room and they're on their way to the garden and they're arguing about what? Do anybody remember what they argued about after Jesus washed their feet? Yeah, it was, who's the greatest in the kingdom? No, I'm the greatest. No, you're not the greatest. I am the greatest. Where did that come from? came from the troublemaker, the pot stirrer. So understand this, 
If you're in a relationship, if your family's in a fractured state, or you're in, in a fractured state with perhaps, you know, another realm, just remember the problem necessarily is not what you think it is. The problem probably is the pot stir, okay? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he knows if he can steal the heart of the family, he can kill a culture and destroy its destiny. If he can steal the heart of your family, he can kill that culture, and he can destroy a destiny. That is why it's so important, if you are a Jesus follower, if you are a Jesus follower, you do things Jesus' way. Because if you try to do it your way, and you get your pound of flesh, and I'm gonna do it, they did me wrong, and I'm going to get it back, okay, mark her down, you might lose the whole ball of wax. Really good time for an amen. Really good time for an amen. We have got to do things Jesus' way. Okay, so for time's sake, and again, you can look at this later on. Um, we're going to just look real quick at, I think, Cain and Abel real quick. And then we're going to look at Martha and Mary real quick. And then we're going to look at the solution, okay? Now, now Cain and Abel was a deal with jealousy, all right? Cain was the older brother. And I'm going to give you a word that's very important because this is what gets us in trouble, okay? Cain was the oldest you know, the firstborn of Adam and Eve. So he had a sense of, are you ready to write it down? Entitlement. Entitlement. Often in families, we feel like we're entitled to something. And if we don't get what we're entitled to, we tend to get angry. Okay? We get angry. When we feel like we're shortchanged, when we're treated wrongly, okay, we get angry. Well, this is what happened. Um, the time came for the offering of the sacrifice, and, and Abel was a, a herdsman, and so it was probably logical for him, but I think it was also an obedient thing. He slayed an animal and brought a blood sacrifice to God, and God went... Well, then along comes Cain, and Cain was a farmer, and he goes out there and gets his best tomatoes and cabbage and collards and green beans, and brings those to the altar, okay, and God goes, it really made Cain mad. It really did make Cain mad. Now, it could have been the type of offer. I, I have to believe probably, I mean, it's too cool to miss. That it just can't be, sac, you know, that a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice has always been God's way. So, so chances are that was part of it. But you know what the real problem was? Had nothing to do with green beans or, or lamb blood. Had to do with his heart. His heart was wrong. His heart was wrong. And when we're dealing with these broken relationships, you know, jealousy will quell up and other things will quell up if we have a heart issue. So be sure in a relationship, your heart is good. In 1 John chapter um, 3 and verse number 12, you know, John records for us and gives us a little bit of insight. Speaking of Cain and Abel, um, the reason God rejected the sacrifice of Cain, it says this, his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. So it wasn't just about, it wasn't just about the sacrifice, it was about his heart, his heart. And the funny thing is, you know, we're going to see, what's fixing to happen? Anybody know the story? Yeah, he's going to kill his brother, okay? All right, question. Who is Cain really mad at? God. He's mad at God. Who's he killed? His brother. Yeah, you know why? When you, when you can't kill God, you kill the thing closest to his heart. You know why there's such vengeance sometimes, uh, anger in the house of God? Because we can't get back at God, so we'll just get back at his kids. We've seen that throughout history, and we see it certainly now. 
Okay, so, so, so yeah, so he invites in verse number, number eight, one day Cain suggested, okay, um, that to his brother, let's go out in the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. And what that did was it revealed the problem. It revealed it wasn't a sacrifice issue, although that may have been part of it. The main deal was his heart was evil. So my question is this. In the relationship you're facing that's broken, how's your heart? As a Jesus follower, how's your heart? Okay? Make sure your heart is pure and clean before God. Make sure that no matter what's going on, that as far as you're concerned, your heart is good. Now, if you want to later on, you can look at Jacob and Esau, um, and you can look at Joseph. That was favoritism. But let's skip on down to Martha and Mary, because this one really hits close to home. Really gets close home. So here's the setup. So Jesus is coming to down, coming to town, and Martha and Mary and Lazarus are all really good friends. They're all buds, okay? And so Martha hears that Jesus is in town. In fact, comes to the house, okay? Now she has the gift of hospitality, so she wants to exercise her gift, and she wants to exercise it in a really, really, really big way. Okay, um, let's look at verse forty. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner. Okay, so it wasn't you know it's the right thing for her to do to cook dinner for Jesus, but she wasn't satisfied with just dinner. She wanted to do a big dinner. Well, she she's cooking this big dinner, and she looks around, and guess who's gone? Mary. Okay? So she sticks her head through the doorway and she looks and there is her sister sitting down talking with Jesus. Okay? What? I mean, that would make you mad. Come on, be honest. You're, you know how it is when you cook supper and everybody leaves the table with you to do the dishes. You know what it's like? You know what it's like when you're in there slaving in the kitchen and they're all watching the football game but you? You know what I'm talking about. Don't look at me like, I ain't never experienced that. Yes, you have too. Yes, you have to. So that's what happened. So she came to Jesus, all right, and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you? Whoa, there's the problem. Jesus, this isn't fair. I don't suppose you ever prayed that prayer. God, this isn't fair. He got the promotion. I didn't. God, it's not fair. My husband didn't help me. Uh, my, my wife didn't help me. Um, my parents didn't do this. My parents didn't do that. Life, hey, whoever told you life was fair? Uh, let me just tell you this right now. Aren't you glad God's not fair? Let me tell you something. If God was fair, you'd be burning in hell. Because He's not fair, because He's grace-filled and grace-full, we're not. We're not. Okay, so she goes in there and says, Lord, it just it doesn't seem unfair to you that my sister just hits here while I do all the work. Whoa, there's the big deal. I do all the work. No one else does anything. It's me. It's me. It's me. It's true in the family. It's true in church. And it's even true in a baseball team. If you're not careful, I'm the one. Here comes over to practice. I'm the one that gets all the hits. Okay, I'm the one who teaches all the classes. You know, why, you know why, why am I the only one who works at church? Why am I the only one that works at home? And here it was. Tell her to come and help me. Tell her to come and do her part. See, here's the deal. Whose idea was the big dinner? That would be Martha's. I don't think, I don't think Martha went to Mary and said, Hey, Mary, what do you think? Let's do a really big meal 
um, for Jesus. Now, probably if she had, she probably got this answer. Martha, that's a really nice idea, but I'm going to be honest with you. When he gets here, I want to sit and talk to him. She, she wasn't included in the decision, but yet she's supposed to take responsibility, help take responsibility for this mess that's created, this big meal. You know, Andy Stanley said something that's really good. Andy Stanley said a while back, it's been several years ago, you know, don't let someone's ill responsibility become your responsibility. Don't let your husband's irresponsibility become your responsibility. Don't let your wife's irresponsibility become, hey, don't let your parent, guys, listen, don't let your parents' irresponsibility become your responsibility, okay? So don't, don't assume someone else's failure to be your own. Well, what do you think Jesus said? What do you think Jesus said? Well, look at verse 41 and 42, okay? But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are absolutely correct. Mary, you get in there right now. In fact, Martha, you sit down and make her work. No, no, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. Circle that word details. Just like I came home from work that day and I was all frustrated. And she goes, what are you so angry about? The truth was, I knew I wasn't angry at Judy. I was angry at the details. And you get angry at the details too. Don't let the junk in life get you worked up. Don't let the junk in life get you worked up. She was worried and upset about all the details. See, there's only one thing that matters. See, Martha got so worked up having the dinner, she forgot what it was all about. It wasn't eating fried chicken, mashed potatoes, green beans with a slide of pecan pie. It was Jesus. Jesus would have been satisfied with some cool water and a piece of bread then everybody could have sat down and enjoyed Jesus. But she had this gift of hospitality, and she went, can I be honest, overboard. Overboard. She all worried about details. Look, there's only one thing, Martha, that Mary's, and, and Mary's got it. Now listen, Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. Don't, don't, don't plan on praying about something like this. You know, God, I'm the only one who works, and I've got 17 positions in the church, and nobody else has got any. And Jesus might say, well, there's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary's found it, and I'm not going to take it away from her. It's all about Jesus, folks. In your practical family, it's about Jesus. In your physical family, it's about Jesus. In your spiritual family, mm -hmm, it is about Jesus. So let's look. What do you do? What is the solution? Now, I wrote this down. And it's, it's not profound, but it's true. And here it is, okay? It's simple, but hard. It's simple, but hard. The answer is very easy and very clear, but you have to determine in your, in your family, in your marriage, at church, and in practical sense, at work or baseball team, whatever it might be, okay? You've got to be willing to apply this application that Jesus is going to give us. It's your call and your choice. Oh, Nancy gave me my slide. Thank you, Nancy. This is too good to pass up. It has been said, the first to apologize is the bravest, the first to forgive is the strongest, and the first to forget is the happiness. That is worth writing down. Okay, so what's this magic Colossian scripture? Well, Jesus says that Paul writes it more than once. Jesus said it a couple of times. Okay, here it is. Above all. Now, what does that mean? Okay, number one, 
Number one, above all, clothe yourselves with love. Clothe yourselves with love. Because, see, love is the thing that conquers everything. You know, what does love cover? A multitude of sins. And, hey, as do you remember uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7? I mean, love keeps no record of wrongs. What? Love keeps no record of wrongs. Okay? So clothe yourselves with love because that's what binds us together. It's been said that the family that prays together stays together. The family that loves each other really stays together because love covers the multitude of sins. But, Dwayne, it was so, so wrong. Hey, Nancy, let's back up there, one in Colossians. Let's get Colossians 13 there. Okay? Look at this. Look at this. Make allowance. Do you know what that means in the Greek? And I'm not being funny. It means to put up with. To put up with. There are going to be times in your family, your husband, your wife, your parents, uh, your children, and you're going to have to put up at church, you're going to have to put up on the job, you're going to have to put up in sports, okay? Make allowance for each other's faults. Learn to put up with people's imperfection because you aren't perfect either, okay? Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive How many? Forgive anyone. Forgive anyone who offends you. Whoa. That's the big, okay, that's the big what. Okay? That's the big what. Make allowance, put up with people's faults, and forgive anyone who offends you. Red, black, green, yellow, tall, skinny, you know, older, younger, you know, Democrat, Republican, uh, whatever, whatever. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. That's the what. Here's the why. Remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. There it is. And I say, you may, see the, you may see the result you want this side of heaven, and it may see the result the other side of heaven. But Paul said something. He said, as much as lies within you, live at peace with people. As much as lies within you, live at peace with people. So, so as a Jesus follower, then we're going, to, we're going to love, we're going to forgive because Christ forgave us, okay? And then we're going to choose peace. Now, now, rather, and, you know, by the way, nowhere in Scripture to say if they earn your forgiveness. It's just not there. If they come and beg your forgiveness, it's not there. Jesus just said, forgive. Just forgive. So if you're in a broken relationship, dad, you know, mom, husband, wife, children, siblings, you know, do everything in your power. To bring peace into that relationship. Anything you can to bring peace in that relationship. And guess what? Oh, do you remember what the good news was? Yeah. The good news is the good news. God can fix it. Now, just in case. Just in case. Dwayne, I've, I've tried this and my heart is breaking. I, I know of a relationship. Not, it's physical. In a family. I know a relationship that's still broken. 
It just breaks my heart because the people are close to me. It just breaks my heart. And what, what, if, you, what if they do every... What if one does or and the other thinks they are? What, what if? What if? You've got to leave the results to God. you just got to leave the results to God and pray that God will do something with it. Are you willing to trust God with that? Are you willing to trust your broken husband to God? Are you willing to trust your broken wife to God? Hey, students... Are you willing to trust your broken parents to God? Yeah, you got to be. just got to be. Lord, I'm going to have to leave this in your hands because I can't fix it. You can, but I can't. We're going to open the altar up, and maybe perhaps this has spoken to your heart today, and there's something that's broken in your life, maybe your family. Um, maybe you want to come and pray about it. Um, Brother Brent will be standing down front, and... Um, We'll be glad to pray with you. Pray with you. But, you know, if there's anything that, that we can do as pastors or our deacons, if we can do anything that can help, we want to help. But the big first step is bring it to God and saying, God, I can't fix it. I believe you can. Let's pray together. Hey, Father, thank you so much for the privilege of sharing today these truths. Help us, Father, because we need it. It's simple, but it's hard. Our pride gets in the way too often. We struggle too often. Lead us and guide us and direct us in the way that we ought to go. If there's someone here today, Father, whose heart is broken, Lord, just bring some healing into it. All things are possible with you. And Jesus, I pray this in your name. Amen.